Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, good day, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Always delighted to welcome Commissioner Mike Causey to the program. He is, of course, the insurance commissioner for the state of North Carolina and also the state bar marshal, for that matter. The reason I always enjoy these broadcasts is everyone, everyone that uh, listens to this program is affected by insurance, uh, whether it be automotive or homeowner or life insurance or health insurance. There's all sorts of insurance fraud things going on and uh, lots of different opportunities for people to find out things about insurance that they need to know. And so for that reason, we are always uh, so delighted to have uh, Commissioner Causey with us. So, uh, Mr. Commissioner, uh, welcome again to the program. And I guess let's start off with the thing that I guess most people are uh, almost everybody's concerned with, and that's automobile insurance. What's, what's the latest in the wonderful world of automobile insurance? Well, thank you, Don. It's good to be back with you. And uh, you're right. Uh, insurance affects us all every day. And it seems like every time we turn around, the insurance industry is uh, asking for some sort of rate increase to, to offset some of their costs. Uh, with the ever-increasing uh, cost of claims. So that's something we work on every day on behalf of consumers to to make sure that they're well protected in North Carolina. Well, of course, it's, you know, some things, I guess, are beyond the uh, insurance company's uh, uh, control. For example, as we have inflation, I'm sure the workers in body shops are making, uh, you know, needing to make more money and so forth. And so costs are rising and some of that they can't control at all. So how do you take that uh, into consideration when you look at requests for rate increases? Well, the the request comes from the North Carolina Rate Bureau, which represents the insurance industry. And that was something that was set up by the legislature uh, decades ago. And they have to uh, justify any request that they make. So they send us, uh, it's not hundreds, but it's, it's sometimes thousands of pages of documents that we have to go through. Our actuaries and uh, attorneys and insurance experts have to go through and uh, see what requests are being made and what justifications are there. And, of course, we know with inflation and technology, if you have an accident today, it's, uh, it's going to cost more to repair because you've got cameras and bumpers and all of these gadgets that we didn't have uh, 20 or 25 years ago. And that's a good news, bad news thing, because many of these things have uh, decreased the number of accidents. Well, well, that's true, but... The, you see the uh, severity of the accidents being greater, and there's four, four factors that continue to put pressure on insurance rates for automobiles, and that's uh, number one is distracted driving. We have too many people that have cell phones in their hands. They're driving down the interstate at 80 miles an hour, and they take their eyes off the road, and when they have an accident, it's a many times fatal. And then you have more people speeding uh, as you 
go up and down the interstates, you'll see it's it's pretty normal. People going 10, 20 miles above the posted speed limit, and you have more people driving under the influence. They're either under the influence of drugs or alcohol or something that impairs their their judgment. And sometimes it's hard to imagine fewer people wearing seatbelts, but that's actually what we have, fewer people wearing seatbelts. And almost every month we hear a, a news item where somebody's killed by being ejected from a vehicle in a traffic accident. Well, you would think after uh, all these many years uh, of people getting accustomed to seatbelts that they would be, uh, uh, that would hardly be a factor. You, you would think so, but apparently there's a large, a significant percentage of the population that uh, that either don't pay attention or they just don't think about it. And some of the new technologies in vehicles that makes it pretty difficult because that car will ding, ding and beep until you put fasten that seatbelt. Well, uh, you know, I think, uh, of course, I, I did, I'm old enough to remember when we didn't have seatbelts and certainly didn't have a requirement to, to wear them. And uh, so I, I, I think that people that are maybe uh, over 70 or so uh, probably have a little bit more reason to, um, or excuses, I guess, to not make that a habit as much as the younger people. But it would seem that uh, the younger people have grown up with it and it would seem like it would just be natural for them. But those are the, the distracted driving thing worries me more than anything else. I, I've often wondered why uh, or if it would be possible to require a car to have a light on the on the roof of the car that when their phone is in action, the light comes on so that other drivers know <laughs> that there's somebody in that car using a phone. Well, you know, out of all the ideas I've heard, Don, I've not heard that one before. So uh, might need to get you over to the legislature and talk, talk about some of those good ideas you have. Well, you know, that would be a very simple one, and it wouldn't preclude driving. It would just allow everyone to know that there is somebody using the phone, either receiving or transmitting. And uh, I know that I would probably, uh, if I were driving behind that car, I would probably take a little bit more caution in my uh, approach to that car. Well, anyway, of course, the speeding situation and uh is, is an interesting thing because traffic is so heavy during drive times that it's almost impossible for law enforcement to stop anyone. Well, that's a good point. And, but unfortunately, you'll see cars somehow managing to weave in and out of traffic, even with heavy traffic. And you'll have, yeah. have cars uh, taking awful chances. And many times they're the ones that are causing those accidents by uh, speeding and weaving in and out of lanes. Well, it's a it's an interesting situation, and of course, as you said, the, the cost of repairs going up, and uh, and and these four uh, concerns uh, also being a, a factor in safety. Uh, it doesn't add up to uh, lower insurance rates for cars. Uh, that's for sure. Well, uh, I'm doing everything I can as commissioner to make sure we educate the public on uh, 
safe driving and doing what we can to hold down our uh, car insurance rates uh, every day. The uh, let's let's move over to uh, homeowners insurance because again that's a, a type of insurance that almost everyone uh, has. Uh, even rentals, uh, people who are renting have renters insurance. What's new there? Anything new? Well, we just recommend that people have renters policies, and a lot of people don't think about it because the building owner will have the the house or built apartment building insured, but the tenant, the person that's renting that property, must have their own insurance to cover their personal contents in the event of fire or theft or flooding or, or whatever causes that loss. So uh, it's just very important. It's uh, it's very inexpensive to have those renters policy, but it's but it's very important. And on on the homeowner's side, uh, I always ask people to contact their agent at least once a year to review the coverage to make sure you have the right amount of coverage. You don't want to be overinsured, but you certainly want to make sure you're not underinsured and with the inflation the way it's been it it cost us significantly more to replace a house today and the main uh, tips that i give people is, is to make sure you have replacement value coverage and that applies to both automobile insurance and homeowners insurance replacement value coverage is just a few dollars more per month, but if you have an automobile that's two or three years old and it's a total loss, they'll pay you enough money to buy a brand new current year vehicle. Whereas if you don't have that, you're going to get the uh, actual cash value, and that's a depreciated value, which you'll be very disappointed in what you get. And the same thing with your personal property on homeowners. If you have replacement value coverage, that piece of furniture that may be worth $5 on a depreciation scale, uh, you'd get enough money to go buy a new piece of furniture if it cost $5,000 or whatever the cost might be for that particular item. The uh, You talk about uh, replacement value. Also, another thing that catches some people are special collections or unusual amounts of uh, coverage for something like jewelry or something of this nature. That's right, because of, normally a homeowner's policy just pays minimal amounts for jewelry. You may have a $1,500 coverage, and if you've got uh, several nice watches and rings, you may have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of jewelry that you won't have covered unless you have a special uh, rider or uh, something that specifies those items. The same is true with art. If you've got uh, oil paintings or particular paintings that that are valued in the thousands of dollars, you have to have a special writer that describes that item. Antiques, uh, antique cars, any of those things. You you want to make sure that you have those uh, special coverage. And, and so also, I guess one of the questions. 
No, go ahead. Also, uh, earthquakes and floods. Say, um, floods, if you have damage from a flood, that's not normally covered under a homeowner's policy. So you have to have flood insurance to get get items lost in floodwaters. And if we had earthquake damage, that wouldn't be covered either unless you had that earthquake rider. So there's just so many riders uh, that specifically go to, to certain points that you need to talk to your insurance agent every year to make sure you know what's covered and what's not. So I guess a good question to ask your insurance agent is, tell me what's not covered. Right. On That's my a basic good question. Very good question, Don. And uh, if you ask that, then uh, some of these things will come out. And uh, because most of these riders are not all that expensive. That's right. And the same is true with outbuildings. I've had people say, well, I had a loss of an outbuilding. It wasn't covered because I didn't have it added on my policy. So talk to your agent. I didn't know about outbuildings. That's interesting. Okay. Our guest is Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey, and we've talked about automobile and homeowner insurance so far. We've got lots of other things to talk about when we come back with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Steven. Who said that? Me. Down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Our guest on Carolina Newsmakers this week is Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey. Uh, and he also, uh, by virtue of his job, is the state fire marshal. Uh, uh, Commissioner Causey, last week I heard something and I did not hear the entire broadcast. So I'm going to ask a question and let you uh, fill me in if you can. Uh, I understand that North Carolina lost. Uh, a huge amount of forest land last year due to wildfires, and it was uh, either the second or the third largest in the country. Is it? Did I hear that right? Well, we we did lose uh, significant uh, acreage due to wildfires. I don't have that specific information in front of me. That that is normally kept up with by the uh, North Carolina Forest Service and the the United States Forest Service. And so they are responsible for fire uh, 
uh, uh, coverage as far as uh, uh, acreage and and uh, wildlife and so forth. That's right. When we we had the big fire at uh, a Pilot Mountain, Pilot Mountain State State Park, that we had a number of volunteer fire departments that assisted, that helped in fighting that fire. But the the main group in charge is the uh, the the U.S. Fire Service or the North Carolina Fire Service for the for the wildfire controls um you know uh we we of course have two kinds of fire protection i guess that's the paid uh fire person or fire fireman and then we also have a, a lot of coverage being supplied by volunteers with volunteer fire departments across the state i understand i think from our last broadcast that uh, uh this is an area where we could send some more volunteers. That's true. Uh, the majority of our firefighters in North Carolina and across the nation are volunteer firefighters. And we have so many people that have a hard time comprehending that. They may live in the big cities where all they see are the career-paid firefighters. But you go out to these rural areas and you'll see real quick that they those entire communities depend totally on the volunteer firefighters. And our volunteer fire departments are struggling, and they're struggling to recruit volunteers and to keep or retain those volunteers. And the age of the average volunteer firefighter keeps going up and up every year. So we need more young people getting involved. We're trying to get out into the elementary schools. A lot of fire departments are going out to elementary schools, having fire safety days, uh, letting the students know about uh, opportunities in the fire service and fire safety drills for their home and school. Uh, we're working with more high schools to get uh, junior firefighter programs and junior firefighter academies uh, in the schools. Right now, we have 59 high schools in North Carolina that have the junior firefighter training academies. So we see this as a success because many of our new volunteers are coming from the school system. All of our community colleges are involved in some way in training firefighters, firefighter certification. Uh, so we want to continue to work with our community college system and what they do to help the fire service. But we just need the general public to get more interested in their local volunteer fire department and going to see their fire chiefs or fire staff and see what they could do to help and you can volunteer in many different ways the equipment for volunteer fire departments is that a county responsibility the no the the uh some counties have a fire tax that helps the funding but uh, each each county's different uh some counties do do very well and on the other hand you have some of these rural counties uh, I'm thinking of uh, some of our really uh, low-wealth, poor counties like Carroll County down in eastern North Carolina. They have one fire department for the whole county, 
and six substations. And each one of those fire departments operate on approximately $35,000 a year budget. So you think about a fire department trying to operate today on $35,000 a year. It's, uh, it just boggles your mind to think about that. And we have so many fire departments that uh, don't even have funding approaching anywhere near $100,000 a year. So they depend on fundraisers, barbecues, chicken stews, and all kinds of things, and a lot of donations from the general public. So uh, I, I just ask people to uh, get to know your local volunteer fire department and see what you can do to help. Do many of the volunteer fire departments also serve as the EMS for that particular area? Many times they do. We have a number of fire departments that, that run uh, EMS operations out of the fire department, but the fire departments are first responders. So if you have uh, an accident on the interstate and there's a volunteer fire department near that interstate, that volunteer fire department is probably the first on the scene providing aid to those accident victims. And uh, the majority of fire calls today are health related. They're, they're heart attacks. They're uh, somebody's passed out. They're, they're administering first aid. Uh, that's about two thirds of the calls that we see. Well, it's, it's uh, a noble job and uh, uh, probably the, those who volunteer have to get their own uh, good feeling out of it because there's not much uh, way to salute them or um, thank them uh, as much as probably they deserve. Now, I, I will say we many times we have uh, firefighters that do work for a larger fire department. They're on the they're paid. For example, uh, Raleigh, you'll have firefighters that are paid firefighters by the city of Raleigh, but they also serve as volunteers in two or three other smaller departments. So sometimes you'll have one firefighter that's on five or six fire department rosters. And that's just where we are today. And we're so grateful for these people that are spending uh, most of their waking hours just to keep us safe. Well, they deserve a, a tremendous amount of credit, especially those who are, are doing double and triple duty, because without them, I don't know what the cost would be to the government to, to supply the same service. And that would be uh, a huge, huge addition to the tax base. Oh, that's right. If you had to pay for, if the county had to pay for the service they get from a volunteer fire department, uh, they'd be astonished at the millions of dollars it, it would cost. Well, and, and fire trucks are very expensive. I, I, I don't have any idea in the world what an average fire truck would cost, but I can look at them and tell that they are uh, probably very, very expensive. Well, you're looking at a million to two million dollars. Uh, ladder trucks, a million and a half dollars, some some up, upwards of two million dollars. And um, it's, it's just uh, amazing that the the cost involved 
you look, you price in any just an average fire truck, you'd be sometimes seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. But most of your ladder trucks are uh, well over a million to two million dollars. Wow, that's uh, that's a big bill. That's a big bill. Well, uh, so if if you uh, have interest in becoming a volunteer, what's the best way to go about volunteering your services? Well, the first step would be go see your local fire department, your volunteer fire department, and uh, talk to the chief or assistant chief or anybody there on staff. Uh, go to your local community college and see what programs they have that you could enroll in for a basic firefighter certification and that type thing. Or you could call our office of state fire marshal, and we'll be glad to help uh on our website, ncdoi.gov, or at the uh, Office of State Fire Marshal OSFM website. Well, I hope that uh, some people that are listening will take heed of that and uh, take this opportunity because it is a very, very valuable service. And uh, as we said, those who are carrying this load are probably very much underappreciated. We probably also ought to figure out some way to uh, salute them in a more tangible way. And, and perhaps that's uh, up to maybe some of the media to do some of that. And I'm going to ask some of our people to look into that and see what we can do to recognize these uh, these people who are giving of their time. And, and it is, it's, it's a dangerous uh, commitment also. I mean, you know, this, is, this does not come without personal risk. Uh, absolutely. We have people that put their lives on the line every day. We... We've seen them uh, killed in firefighting and in accidents on their way to, to fire scenes. And then those that get cancer from uh, being around the chemicals and some of the materials that's used in the turnout gear and so forth. So uh, it's just a very, very hazardous way of life. And thank goodness they're willing to put their lives on the line to, to keep us all safe every day. About how many volunteer firemen do we have statewide? It's in the neighborhood of 50,000. It's uh, it's between 65 and 68 percent of all our firefighters are volunteers in North Carolina. And we also want to recognize those that work in the 911 call centers and uh, our uh, emergency technicians and, and just everybody that uh, gets out there as a first responder to keep us safe and our law enforcement partners. And, you know, I guess it would be a good time to also recognize the Red Cross because they are also very helpful in the case of fires, especially residential fires. They're usually there about as quick as uh, the fire truck. Yes, they are, and they also uh, do a really good job at the Red Cross of uh, promoting smoke alarm safety and help us in giving away smoke alarms and uh, uh, educating the public about the need for working smoke alarms. Well, that's, uh, you know, the Red Cross does an awful lot of emergency work that people uh, don't know about, and that's one of them, and I know that we've had uh, guests on our program from the Red Cross, and they talk about uh, uh, how rewarding that is when you're volunteering in that particular area to help the victims of a home fire 
uh, or any other kind of fire for that matter. And so that's also important. Well, thank you for this update on uh, uh, where we stand with uh, your job as fire uh, marshal for the state of North Carolina. Uh, we've got some other things we want to talk about, including uh, what's going on in your criminal criminal investigation division, talking about frauds, and there's always some people that want to break the law for some reason or another. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Needsmakers and our very special guest, the Insurance Commissioner for the state of North Carolina, Commissioner Mike Causey. We'll be right back after these messages. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey. And we have already talked about automobile and homeowner insurance. And if you missed that segment, you can go back uh, and hear it by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. Some good advice there. But right now, we want to talk about uh, the various functions of your criminal investigation division because there's always someone who wants to break the law. And the sad thing about that, and sometimes it's lost on the ordinary insurance uh, buyer, is that, uh, guess what? Uh, the innocent people pay for fraud. Uh, somebody's got to pay for it. And uh, so it's so important to uh, eliminate as much fraud, uh, be sure that the people who deserve insurance payments get it, and those that don't, don't get it. So let's talk about your work in that area. Well, you're exactly right, Don. We're all paying for it. And every time we pay a dollar in insurance premiums, pretty close to 20 cents of that dollar is going to pay for the fraud element. So if you don't get tough on fraud and go after the violators, then we're going to continue paying more and more in insurance premiums with a bigger percentage of that premium dollar going to cover the fraud. And we have people that seem to make a career out of criminal activity. They stage accidents. Um, their, their meaningful employment is going out on the highway and causing an accident and uh, seeing how many times they can collect 
from the from insurance companies. Uh, I know our special agents made an arrest uh, this year of a lady that uh, bought a car. She had no insurance, and uh, she had a little bump up. And instead of reporting that, uh, she went out and bought a, a a policy after the fact and then filed a claim on that insurance policy three days later. Well, yeah, that's not the intent of insurance is to wait till you have an accident and go buy a policy. You, you're supposed to have the automobile coverage in place before you have an accident. How much uh, uh, automobile, I guess, is one area, but what about uh, uh, insurance claims in business uh, for fires and such? Well, you see that, too. There's a significant amount of arson. Uh, we have a, a dog on staff now. Uh, Nancy, our canine, is a trained uh, arson dog. Uh, she was actually donated to the Office of State Fire Marshal by State Farm Insurance. And they're very expensive dogs when you got a dog that's trained to that level. And the uh, the dog and the handler, one of our employees, were both sent to New Hampshire for one month of intensive training. And all of that was paid for by State Farm to help us fight arson. So uh, you see uh, a number of fires in businesses where sometimes they're accidental uh, in nature, but sometimes that fire was started by someone intentionally. In that case, it, it makes it a, a crime, which is arson. So how many people do you have in your criminal investigation division? And uh, in, in that regard, what other agencies do you work with to eliminate as much of this as possible? We have... Uh, people all across the state of North Carolina that are sworn law enforcement officers. Uh, some are retired state troopers, retired sheriffs, and uh, some are uh, young law enforcement officers that started with us. And we have 60 uh, sworn officers, special investigators. And then we have other staff that are supervisors. We have attorneys, uh, prosecuting attorneys. and the uh, they stay busy every day, you know, uh, investigating referrals. We get referrals from the insurance industry. We get referrals from the general public. So if if somebody suspects fraud, you don't have to know it's fraud. But if you suspect fraud, give us a call. We have a toll free number. We have a a dedicated line to report fraud, and it's anonymous. Uh, your identity would not be revealed. And it is just a huge problem, the amount of fraud from anywhere from uh, staged accidents to people filing fake insurance claims. Healthcare fraud is a big, big problem. And we partner with uh, federal agencies, uh, other state and local agencies. We work with every sheriff across North Carolina and their respective counties. Uh, we have four of our special agents that are sworn with the FBI. So we have a partnership uh, with the 
federal government and the Department of Justice. We have a partnership with the federal government to actually make arrests on Medicare insurance fraud. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but the federal government investigates Medicare fraud. We're the agency that actually goes and makes the arrest. Uh, we work with uh, Health and Human Services goes after Medicaid fraud, and we we partner with them. So it's it's a lot of partnerships working with the local police departments across the state. We partner with the state highway patrol on a number of, of issues. So if anybody suspects insurance fraud in any area, whether it's automobile, homeowners, or uh, health insurance, let us know. Well, it's, it's a shame because this money uh, is allocated for very valid reasons. And when someone takes advantage of it, they're really taking advantage of people who need the extra coverage. Uh, and uh, I, I'm shocked to realize that uh, I think the number you gave us was 20 cents of every dollar that we buy insurance. Does that does that go over to Medicaid, Medicare? Is that, is it that right. high there? I attended a fraud seminar uh, in the past year where the experts said that uh, uh, four or five out of every 10 health insurance claims is has a significant amount of fraud in it. And we, we know that one out of 10 of any kind of insurance claim has fraud in it. But when you say four or five out of 10, 40 to 50% of the health insurance claims that's filed is, is fraudulent, that's pretty scary. What is the penalty if you are uh, uh, taking advantage of uh, uh, Medicaid fraud? What What is the penalty by law? Well, it... it it varies. Um, you know, that's up certainly up to the courts. Um, but uh, we've seen some pretty stiff penalties handed down. Uh, and when it comes to fraud, you know, the most extreme example is, is murder. But we have a case out of Gaston County. Is, you can look it up. It's called the I Drop Murder Case where a man's accused of killing his wife using eye drops to collect the life insurance. And uh, so that's about as extreme as it gets. But unfortunately, you, you have some cases like that. And um, it's just, it's really sad when you look at some of the extreme examples that we've seen of people uh, committing murder to collect the insurance, even on children. One of the areas of concern of a lot of uh, governmental leaders, and especially those in healthcare, is the opioid crisis, and uh, that also affects insurance in a big way. It certainly does, and we have a program called Operation Medicine Drop, where we partner with the sheriffs and police departments across North Carolina to uh, have drug take back programs uh, where we get people to clean out their medicine cabinet, get those old prescriptions like we were talking about earlier, get them out of your house, get them into a Dropbox location, 
Uh, and since we started the program in 2010, we've collected close to 300 million pills out of people's medicine cabinets to keep them out of the hands of drug dealers and children and keep them out of our rivers and streams. Well, that that, that is a great program because it, uh, as you said, it not only uh, is an opportunity for criminals, but it also is not very good for the environment to dump that stuff into the sewer or down the drain. And today we've got this tremendous problem with the fentanyl and all of these drugs coming across the border that, that are in every town and every county. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's just hard to imagine the world we live in today with children and uh, exposed to all these different kinds of drugs that, that you didn't see even 15, 20 years ago. Let me ask you this. This is kind of a personal question, but when you became insurance commissioner, what was the biggest surprise that you had or biggest surprises that you had about that role and the responsibilities you that you were now uh, responsible for uh, governing? Uh, what were the big surprises that perhaps you uh, didn't anticipate? Well, to me, the biggest surprise was the large amount of insurance fraud that takes place every day that the Department of Insurance was, was uh, getting five to 6,000 fraud referrals a year, 20 to 25 uh, fraud complaints a day coming into the department and not having the sufficient uh, manpower to fully investigate those claims. So I've made a real conscientious effort to hire more law enforcement officers sworn officers. Uh, we did not have the attorney prosecutors in-house that we, we have today. We have uh, four attorneys that are experienced prosecutors that work with our district attorneys to help move these cases through the courts and uh, get restitution for the victims. And uh, I'd also say the, the large uh, volume of consumer calls that we get at the Department of Insurance. Our, our consumer reps are on the phone Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 to take uh, consumer calls, uh, emails. Uh, we get letters in from the public. So we, we handle about a quarter of a million uh, calls from the public a year. People having issues with getting insurance claims paid. Maybe they're having issues with a doctor or hospital bills. So uh, anything working with consumer issues, we handle and we get really good results in getting uh, claims paid uh, quickly for consumers, getting the disputes between hospitals and uh, customers and doctor bills, getting those settled and handled. Uh we have not talked about life insurance and health insurance, and we'll leave that for the final segment a little bit. Uh, but uh, uh, anything else that you want to bring up as far as uh, fraud and your criminal investigation uh, air efforts as far as how to report what you might anticipate is fraud? I tell people to, to uh, be a, beware of 
phone calls. People, there's a lot of fraud phone calls. There's a lot of fraud that's coming in the mail every day. People wanting to buy your house or buy this or buy that. And just think of it as a possible scam. And if they suspect fraud or just have questions to the the direct number is 919-807-6840. That's 919-807-6840. That's a dedicated line to report fraud, and you can report it anonymously. We're going to give that number again in the final segment, so if you didn't happen to have a piece of paper handy to write it down, we will repeat it later on. And we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll have our final segment. Carolina Newsmakers with our guest, Commissioner Mike Causey, Commissioner of Insurance, State of North Carolina. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers, our final segment with Insurance Commissioner Mike Causey. We talked about all sorts of things. In the first segment, we talked about automobile and homeowner insurance. So if you missed that segment, you can go to CarolinaNewsmakers.com and hear that segment. And then we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, uh, fraud and, and the cost to the general public of fraud and how to report it when you anticipate uh, seeing some and uh, uh, understanding that indeed the average consumer ends up paying the bill if we don't stop it. Uh, we have not talked a lot about life insurance and health insurance. So I'm going to just open those doors and let you uh, bring us up to date on what you might want to with regards to uh, uh, life insurance and health insurance. Well, thank you, Don. It's it's important that people understand the purpose of life insurance, and that's to uh, protect your family in the event of uh, early death. So, and a lot of times, if you buy a house, the bank's going to require that you have life insurance, a mortgage life insurance, to pay off that mortgage in the event of your death. Uh, many times, people finance an automobile or finance some other purchase, and there's credit life insurance available, and that is life insurance that 
But if you die, it pays off that note or that loan. But it is uh, people need to to look at financial planning and make sure you have the uh, burial insurance and the proper proper amount. You don't want to have too much or too little when it comes to life insurance and health insurance. Uh, many people are able to get health insurance through their employer or if they work for a state or local government uh, that generally those government uh, agencies provide uh, the health insurance at a, a co-op cost. And we also do a lot of work uh, under the federal exchange, the Affordable Care Act. So, uh, you know, if somebody has any questions about health insurance or life insurance, they can certainly uh, give us a call. We have uh, counselors that are available every day to help consumers. And we're not trying to sell you anything. We're just giving you uh, sound consumer advice. But I'd say the best way, you know, if you're in the market for health insurance or life insurance or any kind of insurance is to shop around. And uh, I, I would recommend you talk to local agents that can meet with you personally uh, that you can pick up the phone and call anytime that you have a question and sort of be leery of these ads you see on television uh, where, where you call in and this this great product that may not be that great that they're trying to sell you uh, from the television ad. Well, those ads uh, certainly make it seem like it's uh, a can't-miss pros prospect, but that's the purpose of advertising and uh, as you said, the buyer needs to be aware. Uh, it's like buying anything else. You you need to check around. I might mention that uh, Commissioner Causey, of course, comes to this job because he has also been an agent and a manager and a supervisor and an agency owner. So you know from, uh, from that point of view how important it is to have good relationships with your customers. Uh, I kind of want to go back and uh, review something that you said in the first segment that I think is so important and probably needs to be um, emphasized again, and that is when you're buying homeowner's insurance or automobile insurance, really take a hard look at replacement value. It doesn't cost a lot more, but it can be a lot more in the payoff. That's exactly right. And I can't say enough good things about replacement value coverage because I've seen it work time after time where people uh, had a car that was a total loss that was a two or three year old vehicle and ended up with a brand new vehicle because they had replacement value coverage. And I've seen the flip side of that where, where they didn't have enough money to, to, to pay off the note because they, they didn't have that replacement value coverage. And that also goes over to homeowner insurance as well. It, that's right. Uh, and the other thing that I think uh, is important for everyone to know is most home, well, homeowners policies do not cover flood damage. So if you are in an area that is subject to floods, you need to be sure that you are working with your agent on flood insurance uh, or else you may find yourself not covered. That's right. Just talk to the agent to make sure that you are covered, whether it's the federal flood insurance program or private flood insurance, which is available. 
that's very important, especially the way we have uh, hurricanes and storms here in North Carolina. And one other thing that was new to me, and that is if you have any outbuildings on your property, it may or may not be covered by your regular policy. So you need to look at that. And of course, special collections, jewelry, antiques, things of great value. Uh, there are limits on a regular homeowner's policy that uh, uh, if you have something of great value, you need to add riders. And the good news about that is the riders are not all that expensive. That's right. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I wanted to repeat that again because I thought that was so important. You mentioned that in the early part of the program, but a lot of people joined the program in progress and perhaps didn't hear that. Uh, let me uh, let me ask you about Smart NC. Uh, I see this on my notes from Jason. Uh, this is something apparently that you uh, do to resolve coverage disputes. Right. Let's so let's say you get a bill from a doctor or a hospital and you have no idea what they're charging you for on this bill. So we ask people to take time. Not everybody wants to take the time to look over the explanation of benefits, but you get this statement. It's called EOB, Explanation of Benefits. And if you've got a charge there, and it may be a $4 charge or it may be a $4,000 charge, and you have no idea what it is, Give us a call. We have experts that spend their days every day talking to hospitals and uh, doctor's offices and getting explanations on what they are billing this patient for. And many times these are errors or something's been miscoded. And so that's the job of Smart NC is to settle any type of dispute or question uh, on a medical bill, and that also I'm also go ahead. Also pertains to pharmaceuticals. You had, it could be prescription drugs that uh, that were billed there on that ticket, and you're not sure what it is. The other bit of uh, scary news that you shared with us was the fact that four out of ten cases of uh, fraud are usually in the healthcare area, and one out of ten of others. Uh, and the, the the rest of us pay for this, and you have a dedicated telephone number uh, where if you suspect any kind of fraud, you can call. Uh, your identity will be protected, and uh, uh, that number, I believe, is 919-807-6840. Is that correct? That is correct. I'm going to give that one more time, 919-807-6840, in case you see any kind of uh, incident that you think may be fraudulent. Because if you think that it's not costing you, uh, it, it is. It's like shoplifting in a, a retail store. Uh, the consumer who doesn't shoplift is paying the bill for it. Somebody's got to pay the bill for it. Uh, so that's uh, uh, something we need to do uh, as as our in our role as an ordinary citizen to to uh, protect the interests of our not only ourselves but also the other honest uh, law-abiding citizens. Uh, the other thing I think it bears repeating is the fact that you uh, were talking about uh, the cost of automobile insurance and the fact that so many accidents are now being caused by distractive 
driving. That is people who are doing trying to multitask as they drive usually involves the use of a cell phone. And uh, that's just something that uh, is a major concern. Um, you also mentioned speeding and uh, DUI as other causes that uh, automobile insurance uh, uh, rates probably will always be upward bound because, again, uh, the new cars have so many gadgets with them that repairing them is expensive. That's so true, and it's continuing to go up, it looks like. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, and some of these features, of course, are, are adding to the safety of the car, and that, that's good. And cars are basically better made than they were, say, 20 years ago, and that's, that's on the good side. I mean, there's a lot of good things that are happening. So let me ask you this. Uh, we've got about two minutes left in the program. What's at the top of your list uh, as uh, the legislature is in, is in session? Uh, I'm sure you're going to them with your requests for funding. What are the things you're going to be asking for this time around? Well, what, what a lot of people don't understand, Don, is our agency is different from most other government agencies, and we're a totally self-funded agency. Our funding comes from the insurance industry. We also get uh, in the neighborhood of 10 to $12 million a year in grant money from the federal government for the many different programs we have, like the Operation Medicine Drop, Safe Kids, uh, Smart NC, and some of these other programs uh, that, that we operate. But even though we are a self-funded agency, we still have to go through the appropriation process and uh, go to the legislature and request our budget, and we're allowed to keep uh, what they allow us to keep. So uh, we're proud of the fact that we're a money-making machine for the state general fund. We, we're, uh, when I took office in 2017, the department was bringing in a, around $650 million a year in revenue. Today, it's closer to $950 million a year. So uh, we've increased that revenue that we're bringing in to the state. Uh, so we appreciate the people that are renewing their insurance licenses. We license plumbing contractors, electrical contractors, building inspectors, collection agencies, all kinds of things that we license and regulate from the Department of Insurance that the general public does, does not see. So uh, I would encourage people to go to our website, ncdoi.gov, and look at the many things that, that we do cover. And thank your legislators for helping us. I, you know, I did not know that's news to me. I thought you got more appropriations directly from the state. That's interesting. Our guest has been Commissioner Mike Causey, Insurance Commissioner for the state of North Carolina. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. Uh, that's carolinanewsmakers.com. We'll be back again next week with another guest. Till next week, same time. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong 
Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.